Hello, everyone. This is uh, Paul Dick, owner and head coach of Stark Strength and Conditioning, Stark CrossFit. And I am here today with uh, someone that I've wanted to have on this podcast for quite a while. And when we decided to start doing a podcast, I thought I want to have uh, I have, the, have this guy on. So Quinn Taylor is here. He is a uh, an icon in Winnipeg here in the CrossFit community, amazing weightlifter, and he is now a, uh, a physiotherapist as well. So he's been one for how long now, Quinn? A year. A year. So um, so I just want to uh, get Quinn to do a bit of an introduction and uh, tell us a little bit about who he is and, uh, and uh, what he's up to right now. Hey, Paul. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. I'm a purveyor of podcasts and uh, was really excited when I found out that uh, you were doing this one. Um, so thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a CrossFit coach and weightlifting coach. I've been coaching for, oh, I just restarted my level one. So five plus years um, and doing uh, CrossFit for maybe eight. Um, my background is as an ultimate frisbee player. That was how I first found CrossFit. I wanted to get uh, fitter, uh, you know, to be on the field. Um, it was my life, and so slowly CrossFit uh, took over in that regard. Um, long story short, I, I didn't ever expect to be a physiotherapist. Um, I went to school. I have a commerce degree, but... Um, through CrossFit and uh, coaching, I found a, a real passion for helping people, um, you know, just with, with everything from, from learning to be fit, learning how to move, uh, learning how to prevent injury, and uh, got interested in pursuing further education um, in that regard. So went and uh, completed my master's of physical therapy at U of M about a year ago, and uh, I practice at a clinic on Empress called Pure Lifestyle. And I've been practicing for about a year, like you said. I continue to coach uh, both CrossFit and weightlifting. And um, yeah, that's where we are today. So it's it's pretty cool to see, uh, you know, Quinn posting all these videos from, uh, from Pure doing uh, rehab exercises. I think some of the more recent ones that I've seen is more uh, hamstring related after, was it ACL? Uh, it was actually my own hamstring injury. Oh, your, your yeah. own hamstring injury. Okay. Okay. So, so primarily why I wanted to have Quinn on is because, uh, he has been in the CrossFit community for so long. He has been doing weightlifting for, has it been eight years as well? Like since you, less than? Okay. So, um, so he's done, done very well with that. Um, you know, watching, watching some of his Instagram videos, just watching the way he moves with the barbell, always, uh, always very cool to see, uh, when people are very fluid with their movements and, uh, and very calculated with them. And uh, with being a, a physiotherapist, tying all this in, I thought it would be really cool to do uh, a podcast on um, injury prevention and CrossFit or even just training in general. So um, so my first question for you is uh, injuries in CrossFit. There's always a lot of discussion about it. And uh, some people may have been directly affected by it or know someone who has been. And from others, it could be just hearsay. So uh, what do you think when you hear someone say CrossFit is dangerous or you're going to get hurt doing CrossFit? This is um, I'm my favorite topic. I'm glad we started with this one um, because I, I certainly heard that through my physical therapy education. Um, and I, and so I, I can talk to it from a coach, uh, perspective as well as from a, a physiotherapist perspective. Um, as far as is CrossFit dangerous? Um, the answer is no, certainly people get hurt doing CrossFit, 
but people get hurt running and, you know, working and drive, sure, driving. And in fact, I'd argue that if we were to look at it, um, you know, from a numbers perspective, I'd say it's actually one of the safest things that, you know, that you can do. Um, consider that you're supervised by an educated, passionate coach who wants you to do your best and wants you to keep going and, and has a, a vested interest in you staying in the gym. They don't want you to get hurt. Um, as a physio, I certainly treat CrossFitters and I'm excited to do that. Um, and it's, it's going to happen that I'm going to have to treat CrossFitters. It's not always because they got hurt doing CrossFit. They might've got hurt doing something else and they want to keep doing CrossFit. So they come to see me, but I, I treat a lot more people who got hurt playing soccer or who got hurt running. Right. So, um, from, from that perspective, I, I have, you know, I just think it's short-sighted to say that CrossFit is inherently dangerous. I think it can be dangerous if it's applied inappropriately. And I think that our goals as uh, Paul as a CrossFit gym owner and, and myself as a CrossFit coach is to uh, do our absolute best to ensure that we're providing, you know, the best possible product. And, and that comes from a coaching perspective, you know, teaching people to move well uh, and then teaching them how to apply intensity and load on that movement. And uh, I think when we do that well, it's not dangerous. And, and unfortunately, the people who get hurt, you know, and show up at our gym, it's, it was doing something silly outside of our gym most of the time that we, that we have to modify uh, around. Um, I, let me add one other thing, though, Paul, before, before I pass it back to you. Um, just from a physio standpoint, um, I, I believe in CrossFit, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more because I've looked at the notes, but um, I believe in CrossFit more now than I ever have. I, um, it's interesting going through a, a physiotherapy degree and then coming back and taking my level one again. And when I took my level one, it was five years ago. It was a, a seminal moment in my life where I embarked upon this passion that has basically taken me to where I am today. And I was like impressionable and I tell me more, whatever you've got, I'm in. I had, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, five years later, you know, I have this degree in how to keep people, uh, I don't know if it's in how to keep people safe or how to, how to rehab injuries. And I'm listening to what I'm being taught again. And I still believe, I, I believe is the wrong word. I still agree with 98% of what is being taught in a level one. Uh, and, and a level one is all you need to coach. And, and I don't think it makes you a good coach to have a level one by any means. I think that comes with experience and passion, but um, CrossFit's doing the right thing. Uh, there's no other program out there. There's no other educational system out there that is teaching people how to move functionally, uh, safely, efficiently, and uh, will give people the same results as CrossFit currently is. And so even from, as a physiotherapist who's gone back and, and relearned that, I still, I still uh, agree with it, and I'm happy to keep teaching it. Cool. That's, that's awesome to hear with, uh, you know, someone with your, your experience. I know when people want to be more competitive in the sports, you are willing to sacrifice yourself a little bit more. And that goes for any sport. Like, you know, if you're just playing a pickup game of hockey or whatever, and it's just fun with friends and stuff like that, then, you know, chances of, of injury are, are a lot lower. And then if you're playing, you know, even beer league and stuff like that, I just had a buddy of mine who broke his wrist and, uh, and has had some issues with that. Um, and then like when you get more competitive, like, you know, you're watching some of the hits, uh, in the NHL where people are being carried off the ice and stuff like that. Like, you know, these guys are playing for a lot of money and, uh, and they're playing, you know, hundred percent. They're, they're giving it everything they have when they are, they're on the ice. So, you know, I consider that the same for, you know, 
people who are wanting to compete in the sport, whether it's local competition or if they're wanting to go and travel and compete, like you're willing to sacrifice yourself a little bit more in training just to kind of find out where your boundaries and limitations are. And then um, for those that are, you know, just wanting to come in and, and train and do something different and have fun, then no, you shouldn't be you know, you shouldn't be sacrificing yourself, um, and, uh, you know, potentially getting injured, um, doing movements that, that you shouldn't be doing, you know, that's where, like you had said, you know, good coaching comes in and, and limiting people, um, from, from doing too much that, uh, that could potentially injure them. So, um, I think, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on when, you know, someone comes into the sport, maybe doesn't have the, uh, the exact amount of range of motion required. Like I find some of those people tend to be a little, uh, they can get injured a lot quicker than someone who does have, you know, adequate mobility for a lot of the movements here. And, um, you know, they just try to get by with where they're at, but they still want to try to take it to that next level and, and push themselves and lift heavier and, uh, you know, just, uh, just, just kind of push their limits. What are your thoughts on that Quinn? Yeah, for sure. And, and, um, so first of all, I, I totally agree with your comment about competing versus training. I think that's something that we'll talk about a little bit more as, as we go forward today. Um, but I think it's a distinction that many people miss. And even you referred to when people get into the sport, yes, it is a sport, but it is not, it doesn't have to be for everyone. Right. And, and so if we're talking about, um, uh, someone who comes in and is interested in competing in CrossFit. They saw it on uh, TSN or whatever, and, or YouTube, and they're like, that's it. I'm the next Rich Froning. You know, this is where I want to go. Then that's, then that's awesome. But it is different from, you know, the person who walks in, you know, intimidated like, like crazy to, to even try to, to, to think about doing CrossFit. And, and their goals are more uh, lifestyle oriented. I want to lose weight. I want to be able to pick up my kids. And so I do think it's important that we can all train together. I think that's a great thing. But I think that when we, uh, when we are aware of the, the distinction in goals, I think that's when we can provide the best, the best service. So you're talking about um, an athlete who has some range of motion limitations, and that would be really common. In fact, I would, um, I would break down, uh, you know, it's pretty easy often to, to sort of look at someone and put them into one of two camps. They're stiff <laughs> and they lack range of motion. And a lot of times this is where we're thinking of our, our uh, you know, maybe guy with a history of bodybuilding in, the ba in his background and maybe taking a few years off of doing some beer league hockey or whatever. Uh, and then the other camp would be maybe our people who are um, more bendy. There are mobile clients who come in with all the mobility in the world and we need to teach them stability and strength. So either one, um, you know, you have to look at addressing your, your, your limitations. In the case of this, this say, athlete with decreased range of motion, um, the sport of CrossFit has specific demands on range of motion. So you are required to hold a barbell over your head. You're required to get your hips below your, your knee in a squat. Uh, you're required to, uh, you know, touch your chest to a bar on a pull-up. Those are arbitrary sport ranges of motion that are required because we want to standardize our sport. Um, but they're not necessarily based in, in function or in what's appropriate for any one athlete. So in my opinion, how, you know, for example, how deep should you squat for your health? You should squat as low as you can while maintaining a, a nice neutral spine and keeping your knees, uh, hips and ankles in proper alignment. Um, 
this is how we teach the squat. The fact is though, if you want to compete and that position for you is not below parallel, then you're going to put yourself at uh, you know, a risk of injury for sure. So if your goal is to compete, you got to be able to achieve those ranges of motion. And ideally they aren't your end range. Ideally you've got even a little bit more in the tank. So that every time you're doing that thruster, you're not jamming your shoulders up against that end range of motion. So for sure, it's an important, uh, important thing to address early on. Last, last thing I'd just say is for our health, we should have full range of motion in our joints. So that should always be the goal. Not everybody will achieve it. Um, there's a bunch of reasons for that. But if you don't have full range of motion in whatever it might be, you should work towards that, I, I think, yeah. And for those that maybe do struggle with having, you know, full range of motion, um, if you are coming into classes and you got to keep in mind what your goals are. And if you're looking at someone who is a bit more competitive and, you know, doesn't have any restrictions and they're like 20 teen or something like that in, in age, um, you know, maybe it's, it's a good idea to hold back a little bit or just listen to coaches recommendations on what you should be doing and, and, you know, where you should be limiting your movement rather than trying to force it because, one thing that I have found with having a, my right knee does not have full flexion from a motocross accident 20 years ago. If I get down into a rock bottom squat, that right knee doesn't, um, like I said, doesn't get full flexion. So what happens is my pelvis starts to tilt and then the spine starts to kind of go with that. And it's like the body's going to say, hey, I'm just going to get the job done however I can rather than the best way possible. So um, like forcing yourself into some of those positions, definitely not uh, not a good thing. So even, even limiting yourself and if you're not meeting movement standards, then, you know, I don't think that's the end of the world. If you're still getting a good workout in, you're still challenging yourself and uh, still making yourself better and stronger and fitter, then that's what you should be looking at rather than forcing yourself into positions that the body does not uh, allow you to. Totally. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And um, the, the other piece that I just, I had made a note and then I forgot to mention that. Um, <laughs> Paul says I'm the first one to have notes, um, <laughs> but is an approach uh, called the top down, bottom up approach. And I have to give credit where it's due. Um, a physical therapy uh, prof and researcher based out of Saskatoon, Scotty Butcher, Dr. Scotty Butcher. He works with uh, Chad Banco and Synergy Strength, and they put out a bunch of great content online on YouTube. It's called uh, Strength Rebels is their site. But he has this concept um, called top down, bottom up. And the idea is if uh, an athlete is lacking a range of motion, well, we have two things we can do. We don't have to just say, okay, you know, sorry, you're stuck in the corner, um, improving that range of motion until you have a perfect, let's say squat, like maybe like you mentioned, um, let's load whatever amount of good movement patterns that athlete has. So if you can squat to say above parallel with a neutral spine, your knees are tracking nicely, your chest is tall, the good things, then let's load that and let's load that as heavy as possible. And then let's work, you know, at simultaneously, let's work on building up that deep squat. And maybe that means spending some time in just the bottom of your squat with no weight, you know, with your shoes off, just kind of hanging out in front of the TV for a few, you know, for however long you can. And so we're addressing that, that athlete's deficiencies in two ways. We're not saying, listen, you can't participate and you can't get stronger. You absolutely can get stronger. You just need to get stronger in the right, in, in what is your good movement. And then let's work on that mobility at the same time. Um, and that's a cool thing I think that people get when say they come to see me for physio is I'm not gonna tell you to stop doing CrossFit. I'm gonna show you what you can load, what is good movement and how you can keep 
getting stronger and participating in the class. And then we're going to give you some assistance exercises to work on before class, after class, at home, so that you can kind of bring in the idea is that top down and the bottom up, they meet in the middle eventually, right? Where now we have, let's let's say overhead squat. We've been working on our overhead mobility and our deep squat, you know, as a warm-up, as a cool down. We're loading our back squat. Eventually we get a nice strong heavy overhead squat when they when they meet together. Does that make sense? Cool. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. And it's it's good to be able to you know, having the, the background that you do, being able to give people stuff to work on and saying like, no, you don't have to stop coming to classes, but you know, here are some limiters, stuff that you should maybe stay away from. And then when, you know, these things come up in class, this is, this is going to be your variation. And, you know, I think people have to kind of take, uh, take some responsibility there too. And if you're helping them with that, just like passing that on to the coach and being like, Hey, my, you know, my physical therapist is, uh, you know, this is what he's given me and these are the reasons why. Um, and, uh, I know not everyone's good at that. Sometimes I know people will come in and they'll be like, yeah, I talked to my chiropractor and you know, this is, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that. And I'm like, okay, what's the reason? What's the, you know, what was the mechanism of injury or what's, what's your limitations? And they're like, I don't know. And it's like, okay, like we got to find out so that if I do give you variations that it isn't going to, you know, get things, yeah, get things worse or, uh, you know, just give you things that are going to, you know, get you better. Um, so what are some ways that people can reduce the risk of injury in, in training and, uh, and in CrossFit? Awesome question. Um, so, okay. The number one, um, way you can reduce the risk, uh, risk of injury is to move better. Um, that's a, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, sure. That's right. Sorry. The number one way is don't come to CrossFit, but um, that's not good enough for us. So no, the, the absolute best way, um, is to move better. And in my opinion, um, the way you learn to move better is, is by practicing. And so if you think about any other sport, um, you spend way more time practicing than you do competing. So, uh, the way you're going to get a better slap shot is by practicing your slap shot. It's not by taking slap shots on the ice or, or in a game rather. I think I don't play hockey, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's, a, yeah, like you're going to practice your slap shot a thousand times and then you're going to use it once in a game. Right. So unfortunately I think, um, in CrossFit and, and it's, it's not, it's no one person's fault, but we have this tendency even as coaches to say, okay, you can do this. I've seen you do this once, you know, three, two, one, go. And, um, or, or how much can you lift, you know? Okay, that's the snatch. Let's see what you can, what you can lift. And, and I would argue, I'm just making sure I didn't turn off the mic there. I would argue that, um, you know, we should practice as, as often as possible, as much as possible, uh, the way we move. So that when we, we say three, two, one, go, then it's competition time. Then you're beating your neighbor and you're, and you're gonna crush, you know, the, the, the water or whatever, you, you're moving well. And if you, and if you, go to the edge, right? If you, if you, um, if you hit that threshold where you start not moving perfectly near the end, it's not the end of the world. You'll probably be fine, you know, and you're going to lay it all on the line, but 90% of 95% of what you were doing was moving really, really well. Um, and so it just takes practice. And like most of us are new to this, you know, like a CrossFitter who does their first competition six months in, let's say like they've only been doing it for six months. Not that that's inappropriate. It's just that you have to remember they're new. So you know, or rather you have to remember if it's you, you're new. Um, you gotta, you know, do your best to, to move as well as you can. And, and that's where you work with your coach. 
the other things I would say is listen to your body. Um, I talk to a lot of people about what is uh, hurt versus harm or what is good pain, what is bad pain. Uh, if you're on an assault bike, almost for sure that's good pain. In fact, that's the best pain. Um, <laughs> or an air bike in, in any type. Um, and uh, side note, Kelly Starrett put out something recently where he said, you can almost always air bike. As in, you know, if you have three good limbs, you can air bike. It doesn't really matter which three. Um, so just remember, there's always something for you, if, even if one limb is out of commission. But um, bad pain would be uh, injury pain. Would be pain that you're doing an overhead movement and you're getting pinching in your shoulder and you know, maybe it even gets a little better as you warm up, so you keep ignoring it, but then that night it's aching and overnight it's throbbing and the next day it's sore and you can't bring your arm overhead. Those are things, you know, that's bad pain, that's injury pain. And so understanding the difference between hurt versus harm, um, knowing when it's okay to push through it and when you should back off is just, you know, like you want to live to fight another day. We get fitter by showing up to class. So the more often uh, we're hurt and can't show up, the less fit we're going to get. So right there. Uh, a huge piece of the puzzle. Finally, I'll say, uh, Paul, just because um, I figure we should chat about this kind of stuff. Warm up, cool down. Move. I like to call it like your warm up is like your movement prep. So sure, yeah, you want to get your body warm, but you want to gr- grease the groove. So you want to move your joints through all the ranges of motion that either they have or that you're going to need for that movement. I always encourage people to do activation sets. So if you're going to do a Metcon instead of just jumping right into it, you know, do a couple of sets at that intensity of lower volume, something like that, build into it. It's, it's just like doing a couple of sprints on the field before you, you know, start the game, which recently, and by the way, we talked about that hamstring thing. That's, that's what I didn't do. (laughs) I just, I just went into an all out sprint without doing any warm up. And that, that was my own advice. I didn't listen to, but anyway, I pulled my hamstring within like, you know, it was the second point of the whole season. So anyway, um, (laughs) <laughs> and and finally, uh, like recovery work. So take care of yourself, eat well, drink fluids, sleep, manage stress. CrossFit is a stress. There are lots of stresses in our lives. It's also a stress reliever, totally. Um, but it's a physical and uh, like neural or, or nervous system stress. And so the more stress we accumulate, um, you know, maybe the, the higher risk of injury. Cool. Um, I think uh, what you had mentioned about practice uh, goes a long way. So like, and, and being conscious of what you're doing and how you're moving during your practice reps and being able to take that into a workout. It's not like, okay, I'm going to practice, you know, all these reps and warm up and make them look good with a bar and add weight to it and, you know, get to my working weight for the workout. And then as soon as the bell goes, it's just like all form goes out the window. So, you know, looking at, uh, the CrossFit Games in like I don't know if it was 2010 when they started at uh, at the Stub Hub Center or like on the the tennis the stadium floor and stuff like that like watching yeah watching Amanda watching them like snatching 135 and the and the muscle ups and stuff like that and like the guys in there are like some of the top competitors now or like used to be like I, I remember watching Jason Kalipa doing it and like chasing a 135 pound snatch and like pretty much taking out a a camera. I don't know how much that camera costs, but watching that and then seeing like, obviously he's put in a ton of work lifting um, to be, to stay at the top of that sport for as long as he has. And, uh, 
you know, just, I don't know what his max snatch was, but the guy's a beast and, you know, was able to control the weight and it's obviously putting in practice reps. And when you look at the top competitors, um, that are, you know, consistently the top competitors, like their reps while they're competing are always very solid. You don't see them running around chasing their, their bars and, and stuff like that. Like, uh, you may see on YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, you look at how efficient they are and how well practiced they are in those movements that, uh, that carries over to, to competition. And that's something that they don't, sacrifice in competition it's just they've done so much of it that they know their limitations and uh you know typically they push themselves but you know don't really sacrifice for them to uh to get the job done just to add one last thing and let's talk weightlifting really quick because i love coaching weightlifting but i'm just gonna you know throw a challenge out there you should be able to move the empty bar perfectly and this is practice right like we're talking about I see the empty bar being utilized so infrequently in the gym, even like the dowel or the training bar. The 15 pound bar is my favorite thing because 45 pounds or 35 is already kind of heavy, but it just goes back to that practice. Like for every one loaded snatch, do 10 with the empty bar and you'll be a better lifter. And if you try to tell me that you're better when there's more weight on there, (laughs) that is not true. You're lying to yourself. Just move fast with an empty bar and you will get better at weightlifting. But I am better that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, and that's something that I've definitely, uh, I've, I've said uh, in class as well. Like, you know, people should be moving an empty bar really well before really adding weight to it. And uh, I've caught people like in warmups. They're just like, you know, sloppy with their movement. And you're just like, you know, you got to, tighten that shit up to, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just an empty bar. And I even, we, this came up earlier in class today and I said, it doesn't matter if it's an empty bar. If you're using crappy movement patterns with an empty bar, it's going to happen when you add more weight to it and it's going to look worse. So, you know, it's just being like Quinn said, being dialed in with that bar is going to be extremely important. And when I went and did my CrossFit level one, uh, weightlifting, we spent pretty much the whole weekend with a PVC pipe. And there was a a few people that I knew uh, that went and did that same cert. And I asked them what they thought of it. And they were like, oh, it was like, it was pointless. We just used, yeah, we just used a PVC pipe. And I'm like, I was amazed at how much we learned with just like, you know, bar path. And you didn't have to worry about getting fatigued and like having crappy reps come out because of just using that PVC pipe. And I walked away from it like that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, totally. I, I, it was inspired upon me. There was, I was judging at regionals, um, several years ago and, um, one of the head judges, I can't remember his name right now, but he was demoing the workout for the athletes and the judges. And he just showed a snatch with the empty bar. And I remember being floored. I was like, that's the nicest snatch I've ever seen. I didn't know we were supposed to be able to move empty bars like that. You know what I mean? And I was like, I got to work on that. And, and, and last thing, even if you're like not going to hurt yourself, and, and I'm not an elite weightlifter, but, but I like watching elite weightlifters <laughs> and trying to become one, and you're not as fast as you think you are. So when you move that empty bar, move twice as fast, and then it'll be hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's very cool. Um, so... On to the next question. Um, you're, you're a physiotherapist. Uh, you see injuries on a consistent basis. Some may be acute, others chronic. 
Uh, from injuries that are sport-related, so barring like tackling or body checks, tripping, falling, stuff like that, would you say many of them could be preventable with proper training, warm-ups, cool-downs, and uh, mobility work? Yeah, for sure. It, it, uh, it goes back to kind of what we we're talking about in, in terms of what are the, the key pieces for injury prevention. Uh, move well, listen to your body, you know, practice. Um, for sure, yeah. I mean, it's CrossFit. Unless, unless you're doing something silly in the gym and, and you're tripping over barbells, I mean, it's all preventable, right? It's all within your, we should be moving within our capacity. So, um, you know, no coach is forcing you to, to do something. You know, if, if something doesn't feel right, then, then you just listen to your body and you dial it back that day and you, you show up the next day and keep working on it. And, and that's how you prevent injuries. Doesn't mean they can't happen, right? And, and, and I'll tell you, like, with what we do, it's a high demand on our body. So even if we're just training, even we're just trying to be the best we can be. Um, your shoulders get a little sore because we push overhead a lot. Our, uh, our backs can get a little sore because we pick stuff up off the ground a lot. Um, our knees can get a little sore because we squat a lot. Those are super common. They're uh, generally a, a normal side effect to overload. We've overloaded a tissue. Uh, we haven't given it enough time to rest and recover. Those are things that are modifiable, right? You know, might might need to dial it back and give the tissue a break. Might need to change how you move so that you don't load it as much, right? You might need to, you know, we just we just tweak how you squat, we tweak how the overhead position looks or the hand the hand position on the bar or whatever it might be. We change the implement. You use a dumbbell instead of a barbell, but you know, ultimately, uh, those injuries and we call those like overload or overuse injuries. Overuse is the wrong term because you can use your shoulders every day. It's, but it's just an amount of mechanical load. Under-recovered, Under exactly. Tissues can, like, the human body is amazing, right? The amount of torque that we deal with at our joints when we catch a, you know, heavy clean in the bottom of a squat is insane. So the fact that we can recover from those <laughs> repeatedly, like, and, and listen, CrossFitters regularly break my understanding of human recovery, right? Like, I work with a lot of some some very good CrossFitters who you know go to regionals and that kind of thing, and every day their programs blow my mind. Like I still I look at it and go, this is dumb. You're gonna hurt yourself, <laughs> and then they don't, and it's because they've built up this tolerance to load. And I know for me, I can't tolerate some of those workouts. It would be a bad idea. I still get a great workout in, but I just switch something up or I dial it back and I come back and fight another day. So um, just listen to your body, understanding, um, you know, when you're on the verge of, of too much and, uh, and knowing how to dial it back and, uh, and, you know, seek help if you need. But that's, that's the best way. Most of us, it's overload injuries, right? It's overuse injuries. It's not, it's being, it's being stubborn. Yeah, and, uh, you know, definitely talking to your coaches about that. If you do feel something going on, um, you know, at the be beginning of class, let them know. Just, you know, ask for a modification. Um, this morning there was an athlete in here, Becky, who was ma uh, mentioning that her knee was bothering her a little bit while she was warming up for, for cleans for today's workout and didn't think she'd be able to run. She had been sitting in the car for a while last week and three days of biking, which she that she normally doesn't do so um quads and it bands were a little tight so one of our uh one of our coaches in training was doing some some lacrosse ball work on the on the quads and it bands just some friction work to try to help loosen it up and did help a bit but uh it uh it was 
you know, still there. So we just kind of limited the workout. She wasn't running. We cut that out, got her rowing instead. She said that was fine. Um, power cleans. I can't remember if she lightened the load or not, but, uh, she was still able to do those and, um, and the pull-ups were fine. So like, it's just, you know, don't, don't feel bad about telling a coach you need a modification or anything like that. Like we'd rather have you do that and then have you training, you know, in here the next day and the next day and the next day, rather than having to take a week off because of, overuse or under recovered whatever whatever you want to look at it as so so what do you think uh training would look like if you were trying to build an elite crossfit athlete or or any type of elite athlete for for that matter um apparently whatever uh rich is doing and i'm i mean rich deschamps who i work with at, at our gym he uh i mean it's just really neat to see what the elite athletes are doing these days. Um, uh, but, uh, but I will give you some insight into what those things are. And I think those things are, um, (laughs) treating your, treating yourself like an athlete, you know, um, sure. It's easy to go from training in the gym for one hour to training in the gym for three hours. Like that's not hard for a day or two. Um, but being able to sustain that, for a long term is very hard. And I think it takes the work outside of the gym. So eating well, recovering well, sleeping well, uh, managing stress. Um, those are, those are what elite athletes do. Um, honestly, in my opinion, the way you become the best CrossFitter is you are the person who can do the most work in a week. Exactly. And the, the only way to do the most work in a week is to recover the best. Like there's so many things you want to be good at. You just need more time. And the reason the best athletes in CrossFit are as good as they are, there's some exceptions. There's people who are extremely talented and, and do so with a, with a part-time job or as a student or whatever. Um, take Brent Fikowski, that guy works a full-time job and he's right up there, but that guy recovers like crazy. And you see him in the you know, the sensory deprivation tanks. And, you know, he's posting about this stuff because he's, he's putting in as much work as possible to, to be able to train as much as he can with his time. So, uh, you know, that's it. It's like, how much work can you do? And the one thing you can al- almost always do is like slow, steady, um, aerobic cardio. So, you know, if there's something that our, our members, for example, uh, want to do that keeps them out of the gym, but um, helps them helps with their fitness. Uh, like go for a hike, uh, learn how to swim. Uh, you know, sit on an air bike for an hour. Don't do that. That one's the worst. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, elliptical. Um, but just you know, like cardiovascular fitness. Um, what we do in the gym is amazing. But generally speaking, we don't keep you moving for over an hour. Every now and then, it's cool to to throw that kind of stuff in. So build a strong aerobic base, recover as as well as you can, and then do as much work as you can. All right. So for those for those athletes that are putting in an hour a day or two hours or three hours, what are your what are your top recommendations for recovery? So we've already talked about like sleep and nutrition, but from a physiotherapist perspective, what uh, what would you suggest? Someone's doing a lot of like heavy, you know, a lot of heavy loading, um, just a lot of volume with uh, with the workouts. I like how you mentioned swimming as as part of recovery as well, because that is extremely good aerobic exercise and especially if you're a terrible swimmer like it's a really good workout if you're if you're a great swimmer it's pretty and you're pretty efficient then it's you know it's a good workout when you push yourself but uh yeah you got to go longer but for some people (laughs) jumping in the pool and swimming like 10 lengths would like that's that's enough to just you know they need a nap after but um what would be some of your some of your recommendations from a therapist point of view for like 
injury prevention and, and prehab for an athlete who's putting in a lot of time training. Totally. Uh, you, Paul, you've been responsible for showing a lot of people how bad they are at swimming over the last couple of years, just <laughs> at your start games, right? Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Uh, I just did a triathlon on the weekend, so um, I'm ready. I'm not ready. I, but I made it. You know. So, um, so uh, yeah. So what are the? Um, okay. So let's talk like physio stuff because. Um, so physio stuff is like mobility, right? You hear that a lot. I would, I would say, yeah, we talked about we should have full range of motion. Um, so doing mobility drills is great if you don't have full range of motion. If you do, um, mobility drills aren't going to necessarily you know, prevent injuries or, or help you. Like, so I, I think we've probably gone too far on the mobility front um, sometimes. I think not everybody needs a ton of mobility. Um, but in that, in that realm of mobility drills, like soft tissue work is valuable. So, um, you know, uh, if we have a lot of tone or tension and tone through our quads, let's say, because we've been doing tons of squats, well, that's just going to be adding to that load on our patellar tendon. And then we develop knee pain, right? Um, if you've got really tight, short lats that are, are really tight, well, then they're always going to be pulling your arms down and you're going to have a hard time reaching overhead. So foam rolling uh, is great. Uh, it's miserable but it's, um, it's valuable. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, voodoo bands, the voodoo floss bands. So, um, I don't know if not voodoo dolls. Um, the voodoo bands are a compression, um, technique. And so I, I, I mean, just disclaimer on the podcast, um, you know, ask your coach for help with that or whatever, but, or look online and Kelly Starrett has some good references and there's some other stuff on there, but, um, the voodoo bands are, are cool for, uh, for sort of flushing a joint, um, uh, for, uh, uh, kind of potentially optimizing recovery a little bit. Um, the research is potentially still out on that. So from my, from my, uh, evidence-based practice physio uh, side, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, saying they're, they're the gold standard, but there's some cool, uh, things happening with using voodoo, voodoo floss, I think. Um, what else? So voodoo floss, like explain voodoo floss a little bit. Cause I, people might not know about it. It's basically like a band that you wrap around certain areas. So if it's like a muscle belly or something like that, that you're trying to attack, you're just trying to uh, put some tension on that band. So it sort of restricts blood flow. And then you maybe do some flossing where you might do like, you know, flexion extension at the ankle. And then, um, you know, when you take that band off, you have that blood rushing into the area and hopefully bringing in, you know, more oxygen and flushing out some of the, or flushing out some of the, the, garbage in there yeah yeah totally that i mean that's basically it um you you wrap uh, a rubber uh, band around the joint uh, across the joint you move the joint uh, uh, vigorously under that band um and just like you said you flush uh, blood out so you're bringing fresh blood in you're flushing out um, products of inflammation so swelling um you know, side note, for example, if you have sw a swollen joint, there's probably something going on there. So take care of it. But, um, you know, ice doesn't prevent or necessarily reduce swelling. Um, movement and compression does. So that's where the voodoo band can be useful in those types of situations. I'd be careful choosing if you're going to wrap a hot swollen joint, maybe come see me, but, um, <laughs> first, but, uh, generally speaking, you know, I'll do that if someone's rolled their ankle, we'll, we'll, we'll work with that. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then the other concept is it's, um, 
it might help improve some sliding surfaces. So you kind of compress the tissue down and then you move it. Um, if you think about what Kelly Starrett talks about, and I'm assuming listeners have heard of Kelly Starrett or K-Star Mobility Wad, but he likes to talk about this concept that we want our sliding surfaces to be functioning well. So that's where our foam rollers help. This is where the, the voodoo band can also help. Just basically getting tissues sliding on top of each other uh, by compressing them. But yeah, no, that's the main, the main thing there. Um, other side note, you know, if your foot's going numb, you're probably doing it right, but take the band off. <laughs> don't don't sleep with it on. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, there was a video by uh, K Star. Uh, it was maybe a few years ago, and it was about like not just using ice for for recovery because it slows down you know fluid moving through that area. And uh, I saw this video like one or two days before I rolled my ankle running downhill badly. And uh, we were running back from Kimberly Hill. This was with a group from Lululemon. And uh, I rolled my ankle so bad that there was like grass stains on top of my shoe. So I kind of hobbled back to the gym here. And then um, my foot had blown up and I couldn't even fit it in my shoe. So that night I went home. I ended up using uh, just a tensor bandage. They didn't even have like voodoo bands out at that point. But I used a tensor bandage and I wrapped my foot up just with a little bit more like uh, like graduated tension. So it was like tighter at the closer to my toes yeah. and then a little looser as I got across the uh, the ankle joint. And I just put my foot up on the coffee table and I just kept my toes moving. And, uh, and the next morning I was still sore, but uh, I was actually able to walk on it with a crutch. Later on through the day, I did the same thing, put my foot up on my desk with a tensor on. And uh, at the end of that day, I was able to put my foot in my shoe. It was still a little tender, but like it it probably would have lasted a lot longer if maybe I had just thrown ice on it and just like locked it up and not done anything with it. Yeah, yeah I'll just quickly say, I mean, ice is, uh, is not a bad thing. It's great for acute pain. It's a pain reliever. It's, it's appropriate to put on an acute injury, but not for really longer than generally speaking, and this is just a, a blanket recommendation, like 24 to, to maybe 72 hours would be kind of as long as most injuries need to be iced um, at the most, and not every injury needs to be iced at all. Um, so if, you're, if you've had an injury for a week and you're still putting ice on it, you're not doing anything at that point. It's probably, uh, probably not necessary. All right. I know that uh, I know some people ask like, what what do you recommend right away, ice or heat or you know, and and even afterwards, um, if there's something that's that's bothering them, if they they don't go and you know seek help from a therapist or anything like that, um, from from previous experience, it's just I end up doing whatever feels better. So um, when I had like broken my back in a rock climbing accident, and I was like. I'd throw heat on it and it just seemed to get things lit up even more. And it was like throwing heat on it and not doing anything was, was aggravating it. But if I throw ice on there, it seemed to bring down inflammation a little bit. And, uh, I had some severely herniated discs and stuff like that and throwing ice on there. Like it just, uh, it seemed to calm things down and it, uh, it felt way better. Yeah, for sure. And sorry, just to clarify, like for, for the ice thing that I was saying, you know, an, an ongoing sort of subacute issue, yeah, icing, you know, intermittently would be appropriate and something like that for sure. Um, generally speaking, though, that's what I tell people. I tell people it's not, it's not complicated. Your body's going to tell you which one's right. If it feels hot, you know, you're not going to want to put heat on it. And ice would probably be appropriate. And if it feels sort of cold and you, you just, it feels like it feels better if you warm it up, then, uh, you know, put some 
put some heat on it. Um, uh, so CrossFit injuries, you know, again, we can think about, you know, is it sort of uh, an acute, uh, you know, roll or tweak or whatever, and, and we want to put some ice on it. Or um, oftentimes we'll find people who have like that achy sore knee before they go into the gym and squatting kind of feels not so great right away, but it loosens up as we go. Um, other than addressing it and maybe, you know, chatting with a physio or something like that, <laughs> if necessary, um, generally heating up the joint feels good. So do that, you know, warm it up, wear a knee sleeve, keep your sweats on until you're nice and warm. Those are appropriate things to do. All right. So one thing that I wanted to uh, kind of add to that was uh, I find that people kind of wait until the very last minute to... Uh, to go and get checked out. So if you have something that is like, you know, bothering you and it's not limiting you, and I know I've done this too, um, you know, say my leg was bothering me after slipping and falling with my 120 pound Husky uh, just over a year ago and then just kind of kept putting stuff off, ended up doing the open and, um, you know, just decided to, to keep going because it wasn't that bad, but it, it was pretty limiting as well. So I was just being stubborn with it. And uh, usually I'm telling people like, you know, go and get checked out sooner than later. Because if you kind of keep putting stuff off, you keep uh, your body will find other ways of getting getting the job done, which isn't always a good thing. And uh, just pushing yourself to a point that you should maybe uh, uh, limit yourself, like, you know, just go and I'd say go and get checked out sooner than later, just so that you don't end up having other injuries compounded with uh with that initial that initial injury yeah i mean uh sure I, i'm always uh, you know sh whatever, shameless plug come and see me you know like uh, i'm always awkward with those situations but um the fact is no i, I would recommend that first of all um physiotherapy uh physiotherapy um, is um uh, covered by many people's private insurance and so if you have insurance through work um, you know, use it. You're, you're the type of person who's active and, um, who needs it. You know what I mean? So that's what it's there for. Um, and again, that's, that's just the shameless plug. But, but the reason I, the reason I say it is again, it's, um, you know, the sooner you use it, the less time it's going to take to get you back on the right track. And, uh, I'd way rather see you once and, and have to say, Hey, we just, let's make a couple tweaks in the program and then, you know, follow up if needed, you know, um, as opposed to, uh, we got to take a break from, from, you know, overhead positions because your shoulders super, super inflamed and, and irritated or, or, or even worse. And so, um, uh, yeah, you know, use your training and, or use your, your treatment and, or, um, coverage. And there's lots of great places to go, people to go and see. Um, I'll just, uh, my, my practice is, uh, we've got a great gym space. Um, so we can replicate a lot of the things, um, that you might use. I've got an Olympic weightlifting platform. We've got, uh, weights and pull up rig and, and all this stuff. So, um, if we want to work on a movement, you know, um, we can do that in the, in the clinic. So anyway, that, <laughs> that's it. That's all I would say on that, on that regard. Maybe we can, uh, I'll, I'll plug pure lifestyle one more time at the end and then <laughs> call it a day. But yeah, for sure. Use your coverage. Go, go get checked out. Cool. Uh, so do you have any physical goals that you're shooting for right now, Quinn? Okay. Good question. Uh, I said to Paul before this one, I was like, ah, that's a good one. Cause it'll prompt me to get some, get some good goals. Uh, I just, I just did a triathlon on the weekend, um, for kind of for fun. Like, I think it's cool that as CrossFitters, we can kind of just go out and try different, try different sports. I, I say I participated in it. I don't think I raced in it. Um, <laughs> but that's one goal. I'm I'm in, enrolled to participate again in a Olympic distance at uh, Clear Lake, uh, Riding Mountain. So that's in August. So that's on the radar. Um, 
I haven't done a lot of Olympic weightlifting in a while. Um, I've kind of changed up my training a little bit. Uh, and uh, hey, uh, I've been dealing with my own uh, injuries. So I've been working on a bit of a neck and shoulder issue. So um, haven't I, I keep wondering, have I lifted the most weights that I will? <laughs> and I'm 30, so I hope not. I think I can lift more weights. Um, and what else? Um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I don't. I should have some physical goals. Paul, I'm, maybe I'll need your help, and we can, you can help me set some, and, and we can challenge them. I will tell you, I'm not, uh, I'm not a competitive CrossFitter, and I'm not interested in becoming one. Um, I love training. I really enjoy competing in a class with, with, my, with my friends and my classmates, but I'm not interested in competing in CrossFit personally. Um, I'm just uh, I'm interested in kind of staying fit and enjoying uh, enjoying life, hiking and camping. That's kind of my jam these days. I want to go uh, I want to go hike something. And and I got I'm I'm vaguely interested in like endurance running, very vaguely. Um, I've gotten hooked on some YouTube channels lately, so maybe somewhere down the road, I'll think about doing something like that. Right now, like 10k is about as far as it'll go. That's cool. Well. Uh we don't really have a time cap for this. So like, can, do you want to talk about your first triathlon experience? It's, uh, I've heard some interesting stories from people like, uh, uh, doing their first triathlon and stuff. And it's pretty cool. Like, you know, CrossFitters, like Quinn said, like being able to go and, uh, being able to go and do pretty much pick up any sport. Yeah. Use your fitness, have fun with it and stuff. And being able to, did you do a sprint or an Olympic? It was a sprint. Okay, so sprints still hurt a lot because they are shorter, so you can just go faster, push harder sort of thing. Um, the Olympic distance, it hurts in a different way. Right, Caitlin? <laughs> Caitlin's rolling out over here. Uh, I remember following her in, in Riding Mountain a couple couple years ago on the bike while she was, like, running the last 10K, and that was a, that was a good little mental challenge there. But, uh, yeah, Quinn, how was your, your first experience uh, doing a sprint triathlon? Sure. You know, it was actually my second. I, I did a um, I did an Olympic distance yeah. three years ago. Okay. It was my first one. So for those who don't know, an Olympic distance is uh, a one point k uh, or one point five k swim, forty uh, k bike, and a ten k run. And I did it um, in Vancouver. And uh, I have a fit family, so we kind of did it as a family, which is cool. My my stepfather does Ironman uh, races, so he did the half Ironman. I did the Olympic. My mom did the sprint. It was pretty cool that we all did that. But um, uh, it was in the ocean uh, in Vancouver. It was like a whole thing. It was fun. Uh, it wasn't fast. I think I was second last in my age group or something like that. But uh, I enjoyed it enough to not do it again for three years. And um, <laughs> just decided that I wanted to do it again this year. Um, I'm, I'm surrounded by lots of kind of endurance athletes at work. Uh, I work with uh, people who, you know, cycle competitively. Um, my boss, uh, Jean-Francois, uh, ran uh, the Spruce Woods Ultra uh, 100 miler. Uh, so that's where I got this idea that I enjoy at least watching people do that. Um, but uh, so, yeah. So anyway, long story short, I was just going to do the Olympic again the end of this summer. And I was like, that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> I should probably do a sprint first. So I signed up for the same Allo one. Um, it was fun. The weather last weekend was was kind of crappy. So it was a little cold. Um, so the bike was a little windy. But uh, and the run was hard. It's harder to run when you've done other stuff beforehand, shockingly. But uh, but it was good. It took me like an hour and a half, an hour thirty-five, um, which was not competitive by any stretch. But uh, I wore the cat tights and I had a good time. It's all that matters is that you have a good time. Usually, I'll say like, do people go and try something just to 
just to experience it. And then after that, if you want to be competitive in it, then you, you know, then you, then you practice like we had mentioned before and, and train for it, but you know, go and do something just to, just to experience it. And you know, who knows, you might like it. So, uh, last question for you, Quinn, what are three things that you have changed in your training since you've become a physiotherapist? So I'm sure you've learned a lot, uh, you know, in, uh, in university becoming a physiotherapist. So what's, what are some three main things that, uh, that you've modified? You know what? Honestly, not that much. Um, no, you know, uh, I do, um, I like to experiment with exercise. Um, maybe I did that before physio, but like, uh, you mentioned, uh, that ha- the hamstring videos, um, I was just trying to play around with different exercises. And I happened to have a hamstring injury at the time, which was really cool because I could feel exactly how different exercises loaded my hamstring. So I love playing around with stuff. Um, I love using kettlebells. I love using dumbbells, um, just to mix it up. Um, so a lot of that, um, Honestly, it hasn't changed a ton other than that I'm a little bit more mindful of when I'm, I'm overreaching or I'm, I'm reaching something that feels like an overused kind of injury. Um, but I'm just as stubborn as the next guy. And, and I, I'm, you know, I push through workouts when I probably shouldn't. And, and you know, I, I make those same mistakes too. And, and then I, I do my, my kind of rehab afterwards as needed. But um, yeah, you know, it, it hasn't changed a ton. I still do CrossFit. I still love it. Um, but... I'll say I modify workouts more often. Maybe that's the last thing. And, and I'm okay with it. And I'm not worried if uh, someone's like, hey, how come Quinn's not doing the, uh, you know, the bar muscle-ups? And it's because my shoulders bug me that day, and I'm going to get a great workout with ring rows. Do more ring rows. There's my last thing. Every athlete should do ring rows. It's not a progression to a pull-up. It is, but it's not only a progression to a pull-up. And I bet you could do better ring rows. There you go. We actually just posted a uh, a video on that today. Earlier today, uh, had Mikey demoing them. So, um, yeah, what, we're filming this on uh, the June twenty sixth. So, uh, by the time this gets out, that'll be old news. But uh, either way, so no, that's awesome. Uh, it was awesome having you here, Quinn, and uh, and talking about some of your experiences and uh, and recommendations for people to become uh, hopefully bulletproof athletes and and making use of. Uh, you know, some of, uh, some of what we've talked about. So do you have anything you'd like to add? Sure. I'll just, um, is it okay if I plug uh, my job one more time? <laughs> I know I, I, uh, so I practice physio in case anybody wanted to come see me. Uh, I practice physio at pure lifestyle. It's on Empress. Um, you can find us at purewinnipeg.com. Um, also, I just wanted, the reason I wanted to say this is, uh, if anybody wanted to, um, see videos like that one on the hamstring, um, you can follow me on Instagram. I think it's at Quinn, underscore Taylor. That might not be right, but you'll find me on there. I think it's Quinn underscore Taylor. Um, and the last thing is, um, a co- co-worker of mine, uh, his name's Steve Mormon, and I are putting together a series of seminars that we're offering to CrossFit gyms on injury prevention topics. So we've done one on, um, the lower body where we focus mostly on the squat and on knee injuries. We've done one on, uh, shoulders, Uh, and we're developing one on sort of core and back. Um, so, uh, we're looking to kind of roll those out in the next kind of over the next year. Um, and we're interested in reaching out to CrossFit gyms that might be interested in putting them on. Generally, it's a two hour seminar and, uh, it's not expensive. We just want to kind of, uh, give this back to the CrossFit community. Um, understand that CrossFit coaches aren't always, uh, educated in, in specifically in, in understanding what injuries might look like and how to prevent them. That's not 
you know, totally within, within our scope as a CrossFit coach. So giving a little bit more, uh, information about the anatomy and pathology behind injuries that are common in CrossFit. Um, so if you want to uh, find out about that, um, reach out to me or look for us on Instagram. It's at strength physios. Um, there's one photo on there right now. We're still building that, that social media brand, but um, down the road, we'd like to uh, have that be something that we offer more often. So Paul, love for you to have us someday. Oh, that'd be awesome. So uh, I want to thank everyone for, uh, for listening to us. If you have any, any questions or if you'd like to hear any other topics, you can reach out to us by calling either 204-421-8801 or emailing us at info at stark, S-T-A-R-K-E, strength.com. Um, I think by the time this podcast comes out, we should be in our brand new building. So Stark. 2.0 at uh, 781 Capellas Road. So we've got uh, a lot of cool programs, um, you know, that we're, we're still maintaining. So our uh, CrossFit and fitness options for workouts, weightlifting. Uh, we have uh, boxing and kickboxing still going on. Kettlebell class. Stark Fit is a new program that's starting up. Uh, no barbells related to that. So if you're wanting to come in and get a, I don't want to say boot camp style workout because it's not going to be like a mindless workout. We still want people learning and moving well, and we're still going to be having coaches that are really pushing you guys in there, but uh, just really focusing on uh, on movement and, you know, getting your heart rate up. So those will be 45 minute classes using uh, sleds and battle ropes and sandbags and kettlebells, med balls, rings, all that kind of fun stuff we'll have a, a turf area as well um you know tires all that kind of fun stuff uh we also have a powerlifting program that we're going to be starting in uh, october as well early october so we're excited to have mark oxer coming in uh to to do that uh got a few different interesting things programmed uh, planned there and our Stark Games this year, which is going to be a two-day event, so uh, September 9th and 10th. So we're having it then, uh, two-day event, maybe some swimming involved, like we had mentioned before. So uh, definitely get, get some swimming in. Got a really fun uh, workout plan to start off uh, day one with, and uh, it's teams of two, so uh, male, uh, two male, two female. Uh, we have a non-RXed and RXed category, so um, registration should be going up early July. I don't remember the exact date off the top of my head, but we'll be posting on Instagram about that. So uh, once again, thank you, uh, Quinn, for being on the show, and thank you, everyone, or you know, even if there's one person listening. Yeah, Take care.